Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 401, Woodsmanship with Ray I. And I am your co-host, and the guy who has been hoodwinked. And I'm your co-host, and the guy who has sent a few more to the big cornfield in the sky. Nice. Yeah, learned how to call raccoons in the daytime this weekend, and it was yes. darn good fun. Yes, you did. I got a picture Yeah. with a yeah. few suspects. Ended up with eight raccoons between Saturday and Sunday morning. Hunted probably two, two and a half hours each morning. It was a freaking blast, man. Those suckers come in hard. I mean, all as fast as a raccoon can run, which is faster than you probably think, they're running. And so, I, I want you to, I'm, I'm jumping in, you're trying to tell a story and I'm interrupting you, so I apologize. No, you're good. But I'm going to let you finish your thought, but before I do, I want you to share with everyone how how you've done this. So, go ahead, finish, finish your thought there. Yeah, well, so basically, I saw a guy on Facebook who was posting pictures of him and his boys, like, stacking up raccoons 
And I was like, I must know more. Because <laughs> that look, he posted some videos, and I was like, that looks way more fun than trapping, to be honest. Like, I'll go trap all day, but that looks awesome. And so I bought a Fox Pro Patriot, which is pretty much the cheapest Fox Pro they have. I actually got mine at Rural King on sale. It was super cheap. And so I bought that. And then I, I did have to ask the guy what sounds he was using. And so he told me, he sent me a screenshot. So I got online and I had to download those sounds off Fox Pro's website. But it was Young Raccoon Distress and Young or MFK Young Coon Distress and Young Raccoon Distress by Fox Pro. So I downloaded those. Then Saturday morning, went out about 7 o'clock, sit that thing out 10 yards in front of you. I had a shotgun with a bunch of old shells I had laying around, some quail, dove, duck, pheasant, all kind of loads, just whatever mm -hmm. I had. And, you know, first seven or eight stands, nothing. And then all of a sudden started hitting a couple. So I ended up killing four the first day. And pretty much if a coon is within 200 yards of you, get ready. It's going to be on you within 30 seconds of you hitting that call. I mean, it's it's fast. So, and so, yeah. Was there an area in particular that you found more productive? You said your first couple of sets didn't work. Yeah, so I, I hunted two different, two different strategies. You know, one... And I know there's a lot of coons in the bottoms, but in the big hardwood bottoms, it just is, you're a blind hog looking for an acorn, you know, like you, you, you just have to get the call within a hundred, 200 yards of a coon. And so you're just kind of setting up, moving, setting up, moving, setting up. And I killed a couple, I killed two that way. But what seemed most productive was like these little five, seven acre wood lots that are in these ag fields around here. Mm. you know yeah you put that call in there if there's a coon in that woodlot it's coming yeah so i've and, and they're most likely going to be in there so i saw one where i saw some coon tracks in a ditch and looked over and there's a five acre woodlot in the middle of this ag field and i was like betty's in there you know <laughs> and went and stuck the call in there and that thing i mean came running and before i could shoot it it grabbed my call the fox pro that's sitting out there and snarling at it and then throws it off the log i had it sitting on and then i roasted him at like five yards but it's it's pretty cool i'm going again this weekend and you can you can apparently just go whenever i mean this this guy um who was telling me about it he after work he'll just throw his call out and shoot a couple and you know you Pretty much they're in a den, and you hit them with this call, and you're getting them to run down the tree and come running into you. Yeah. So I, it's pretty neat. You ought to try it out. It's a fun way to kill some more raccoons. And so I got rid of eight more. Uh, my poult saving count is, is getting on up there. We're up to 73 on the year. So, it, I mean, I, I know people all you only make a difference when you trap them right there hatch time in spring. Well, they only no. reproduce once. So whatever's on the landscape right now is what you're going to have on the landscape in April. And the dead raccoon and dead possum, they don't tend to eat too many poults or eggs. That's right. So my goal is kill every one of them that I can when I have time to do it. There you go. So, but, but yeah, that's what I use a Fox Pro and then that coon distress call or MFK, baby raccoon distress call. And so I was killing mostly sows. Um, and from what I hear later when the rut 
coon rut is going on. He said you swap to more of like a coon fight sound coon fight. and you, you yeah. kill the boars then or sows. Yeah. But it's it's pretty cool. I gotta say it's pretty cool. And I'm gonna keep doing it and I'll keep y'all updated on how that goes, but it definitely works. After the first couple sets I started thinking this is a sham. This guy's totally hoodwinked me. Like you said, you've been hoodwinked. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I've tried the coon fight and had no success with that. And I, I've i even tried it during the rut. Yeah. And have not had any success with it. But obviously that doesn't mean it does not work because your setup in those situations is everything, just like it is with turkey hunting. So, yeah. you know, if I'm not going to say if I go into downtown Birmingham and do a coon fight call on my predator collar that I won't kill raccoons because we know they're everywhere, but they're not necessarily everywhere. So Yeah, and I mean, every one of them's not going to come in, but I will say this time of year, I think if you hit that baby coon in distress, I'm pretty confident if, if there's a sow nearby, she be coming. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, and hard. It's the time of year where everything is either pregnant like a lot of the does in Alabama are, are starting to drop right now or yeah. has just had youngins, like a lot of our turkeys and, I mean, everything, Hopefully. Tweety Birds, you know. The springtime love season is over. It's mama time. Mm-hmm. And so any distress call, young critter in distress call is going to get attention. So Yeah. So, yeah, go try that out, guys. It's pretty fun. I bought a – only complaint I had about the Patriot – which is the cheapest, most entry-level model. It just didn't sound very loud to me, and so I did buy a speaker to hook to it to get a little more volume. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I do want a little more volume because from what I hear with raccoons, I, you can't get really too loud for a raccoon. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm learning, but to go out and get eight the first go-around, we'll take it. Yeah, no doubt. Very good. Well, What hoodwinked you? The president of the hunting club hoodwinked me. Uh-oh. What yeah. happened? Well, he called me and said, hey, can you come to the hunting camp on Saturday? I need some help. I mean, just pulled the wool over my eyes. So <laughs> I'm going to the hunting club. I've just been tricked, you know? I mean, it's just it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, terrible. he didn't tell you at all what to expect. Oh, no, I know what to expect, but it's... Time to- uh, Food plot maintenance, road maintenance, blind maintenance, I assume. It's an opportunity to be in the woods, which is something I haven't done really at all since turkey season ended. Yeah, and I know. so, yeah, I'm, uh, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, I will have a lot of water with me. Yes, and definitely. It'll be, a, it'll be a day well spent. So I'm sure I'll be worn out by the time I'm done, but it'll be... It'll be fun to be out in the woods, and hopefully I get the opportunity to take a picture like the one you sent to me earlier this week. Nice. You taking the coon call? No, I'm talking about the poult picture you sent me. Oh, was that not crazy? Yeah, I like it. That that was the most poults I've ever seen in a picture in my life, and I wish that was on my own farm, but it was not. Me too. <laughs> but I'm hearing pretty good things again this year. I feel like I'm not hearing quite as much good things as I did last year, but I'm hearing above average reports again, which is great. Yeah. Well, I think last year it was very widespread. Last year it seemed like the at least the entire southeast had a very big 
hatch. And I, I honestly, I think it was the whole United States, like <laughs> everywhere yeah. was saying there. I saw Jake's everywhere I went. And I hunted pretty much every segment of the U.S. this year. Yeah, well, so, hopefully I'll see a few this weekend. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out. It'll be fun. But yeah, well, good deal. Speaking of fun. Amazing episode today, no doubt about it. Yeah, we have Uncle Ray on today. So Ray I is on to talk about woodsmanship. And Ray is the last guest that we're going to have on to talk about the topic. Cameron and I are going to put you guys to sleep with a discussion on woodsmanship next week. But you're not going to have a chance to sleep through this one. Ray is a great guy, a heck of a turkey killer, and another one of those guys that's hunted all over the country and is one that you could blindfold, give him a shotgun, one shell, one turkey call, drop him off in the woods, wherever. And when he comes walking out in two or three or eight hours, there's going to be turkey in his vest. So this is a good episode. Yeah, I think this one's full of good information. We go over a lot of different topics and very knowledgeable guy. Been around the turkey hunting world for many moons, many, many years, and just a wealth of knowledge. We're blessed to have him on. Let's do it. Let's get into it. See you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. Cameron and I are glad to tell you that we have on the line with us today the one and only Ray I, the legend, the man, and the myth all wrapped into one. So I'm just not even going to say for you guys who don't know who Ray I is, because if you're listening to this podcast in July, you already know who Ray I is. So there's no reason to even say that. But I'll say this. If you haven't bought any of Ray's books, you're missing out. If you have never listened to Ray's radio show, you're missing out. If you've never talked to Ray live and in person, you're missing out. And His DVDs, don't forget yeah. those. Yes, absolutely. So we're extremely glad to have Ray on with us today to talk about woodsmanship. So we're still in our woodsmanship series, and we've had some certified turkey killers on to talk about this topic of woodsmanship already, and today is no exception to that either. So Ray... Thank you, sir, for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on the show with us today and share some of your knowledge of woodsmanship and share just turkey stories with us as well. So thank you, sir. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and honor to be on the show with you guys. Well, I'm not real sure about the pleasure and honor thing, but (laughs) we'll we'll roll with that and say we're we're asking at the end. All right. Trying to be nice, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cameron. We'll ask him at the end if it was if it was a pleasure and an honor, but we'll yeah. be sure to turn the recording off. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, there's uh, no no sense in do, no sense in doing that because I'll probably never talk to either one of you again after this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and you sure won't acknowledge us in public. That that one yeah. that'll be for sure. <laughs> uh, that would be a, a bad idea. How about this? Talking about turkey hunting woodsmanship in July. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How was your turkey season? Well, I didn't I didn't really do much turkey hunting, much traveling. I've got a situation with my wife, but I've taken care of her. So this last spring I didn't do much, but I've done a lot of traveling, a lot of turkey hunting through the years, as everybody knows, and a lot of media hunts with the outdoor riders and television shoots. And you talk about teaching moments when you uh try to shoot a television show with wild turkeys as <laughs> as uh 
as your guest, so to speak, and to take people into the woods and, and try to make things happen in a place you've never seen in your life. You fly in at three o'clock in the morning and you go there at daylight and you have no idea what the terrain's like or anything. They give you like three days to make it happen. And then they're already calling your cell phone saying, hey, did you guys get a kill yet? We need a show. So for the guy that's works all week and gets to go turkey on the weekends they i i feel over the years they learn a lot from what we do out here professionally and what we try to make happen with turkeys and, and woodsmanship is, is no exception to that what woodsmanship is very very important the one thing i want to say up front before we get into this is that all the years out there doing the shows the seminars and the hunts and the turkey camps i've been into i've never understood why turkey hunters want to argue what's better woodsmanship or calling or vice versa when they're both so important and and without either one of them you're that uh one of the first questions i get asked is uh what's more important what's the ship for calling and it, it just kind of befuddles me yeah 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 um, uh, I totally agree. If we don't call, you know, the, the woodsmanship <laughs> is great. We can still kill turkeys that way if we know where they're eating. But, boy, it sure does take a long time to get them there. Yeah, it sure does. Them. You know, a lot of simple things in woodsmanship, in my opinion, you know, is you, you got to know what you're hunting, the critter you're hunting, of course. And you, you got to know your area, and you know how to read signs. And in the Midwest here and out east, the best turkey hunters that I grew up with were all squirrel hunters. And squirrel hunters were always turned into just excellent turkey hunters. And that was due to tremendous amount of knowledge of woodsmanship. And yeah. it amazes me today with our turkey hunters, how many of people just get in such a hurry. You know, we live a fast-paced life, you know, fast food and drive throughs and everybody's always in a hurry. And then when you take that out in the woods, you're now on turkey time. You're not on people time. You really need to slow down. And I watch people that I hunt with all the time. And another part of woodsmanship is, is the way you move in the woods. And it seems like, I don't know, I don't want to say, well, some, some of today's hunters don't have those skills of walking quietly and slowly and, and taking in everything around them, the sights and the sounds. Just, they just want to run from one spot to the other. And that is not good woodsmanship. And the other thing I see a lot of is how quickly not only do they move from one spot to the other, but how they get skylighted, whether it's open country, mm -hmm. hill country, or ridges, especially on old logging roads in the Ozarks where you can take a long ridge and hunt, hunt gobblers, and it's easy access. But guys will walk right down the middle of that logging road and stop and call with the ridges dropping off on both sides. You're skylighted from both sides. Get off the top of that ridge and get off on down on the side and move and call. And that, that way you can watch the road and the side of the hill and you'll kill a lot more turkeys that way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. If you get down below there and put somebody else on top and look up, it's pretty easy to tell what that is moving. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's easy to see. That's not another turkey for sure. So what, what would you, and this is such a, I, I find it an interesting question because everyone's answer is a little bit different because I don't believe there is a real, you know, Webster definition, but what is your definition of woodsmanship? Is it be, moving slow and being observant? And yeah, Well, all the things I've already said, knowing your area, reading the sign, knowing the critter you're hunting, moving quietly, not getting skylighted, and using all your hunting skills and in, uh, in woodsmanship, the term woodsmanship, is your skills going from one place to the other and being able to locate food sources, know what the turkeys are eating or whatever you're hunting, and and know know the lay of the land. The terrain is one of the biggest things, and that's what I always uh, ended up with problems when I'd fly into Hawaii and go up at 4,000 feet at 4 o'clock in the morning. Get stayed, you have no idea what's out there. And if you hunt <laughs> the same area, I've always told hunters, 
you know, guys that hunt the same area year in and year out are very successful because their woodsmanship skills is there because they know the lay of the land. They know what's between mm-hmm. them and the turkey. And if you're in a newer area, go when the leaves are down in the winter and look at it. Look at topo maps. You know, back when I started turkey hunting, we didn't have any of that stuff. But we knew the terrain and the lay of the land, and we knew when that turkey flew off the roost, what direction he was flying. We knew how he flew up to the roost and where he came from. You learn all that's all. All of that is woodsmanship. And then you add the calling to that with realism and put those two together, and you're going to be successful and kill a lot of turkeys. For me, the biggest thing and I hear with my woodsmanship is, is roosting turkeys. And it's interesting through the years, the number of hunters I talk to that will say, well, I don't waste time with that. Uh, roosted isn't roasted and all those things. And sometimes that's true. But I'm not talking about standing on a logging road or sitting by a vehicle and owl hooting and hearing one at 400 yards and pointing and leaving. I'm talking about following them to the roost, know what limb they're on, which direction they fly up from, how they come to the roost. And that's all woodsmanship. And that has been the most successful tactic that I have used for many, many, many years for television, outdoor media, and hunting for myself or hunting with friends and family. Roosting turkeys kills turkeys for us. The television mm-hmm. shows and the, the footage I've shot over the years of gobblers on the limb and strutting and gobbling and flying down and gobblers flying up and, and my my hunter's killing the turkey as soon as his feet touches the ground. That all came from woodsmanship, from roosting turkeys. And uh, it just it has worked so well for me wherever I've hunted. You know, and I've hunted about 48 states now, I guess. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. I've hunted turkeys a lot of years, and every year you, you seem like you're going to learn something new with these turkeys. But you guys are talking woodsmanship, and when I go into an area I've never been in before, the first thing I want to know from the people that are there, what are the turkeys doing? Where do they hang out? What direction do they go when they leave the roost? What's the terrain like? Where have you hunted turkeys before? If you can gather some of that information, and then it usually takes me a couple mornings out there to zone in on those turkeys, and then I learn what to do, but I don't let them know that I'm there, and that's part of your woodsmanship. Yeah, yeah, not not letting them know you're there is definitely a big part of it in my mind. What's your process for, for roosting gobblers, spring and fall, I guess? Yeah, oh yeah, I've roosted big flocks of fall gobblers and uh, great success on them, challenging them, coming down off the roost. Um, I don't just, uh, well, I, I use a turkey call more than I use an owl call. I use an owl call quite a bit, but if I really want to roost turkeys, I use a turkey call because they respond better to a turkey call, especially in the spring. And I use a call to, if, if I know the area the turkey's in, but I like to follow them to roost. I like to watch them from a distance. There's a lot of areas I hunted in northeast Missouri and in Iowa and even in Illinois and even in Kansas, eastern Kansas, is is from a, an area that you can watch and see the turkeys as they're leaving and go to roost and see where they fly up to. And I'll follow those turkeys, and I'll call and uh, keep them gobbling. I can give you a quick example. In, in New England, Massachusetts, w- way up east, uh, in that area, these, these turkey gobblers that evening crossed the road, the, the road that goes in, the county road from the mm-hmm. neighbor's place, and went into a field. Well, I went down under the hill by a tailings pond and parked my my rental car and i got up to the edge of the woods and stayed under the hill and called and they gobbled in the field well i followed those turkeys by staying in the woods as they went across the field they went across two fields and went into a patch of timber and they went out on a point there's no logging road there and i heard them fly up and i moved in and i called to them on the roost i had them gobbling on the roost i was the last hen they heard that evening and i was the first hen they heard the next morning yeah. I set up on the side they flew up from. Now, this is all woodsmanship because when they flew up from the field, the corner of the field into this big roost tree, down off the hills, straight down and thick, and there's a pond down there, kind of almost a lake, and it's real steep on both sides. 
well, naturally, the way they flew up, they're going to fly back down. And so I set my hunter up behind a rock wall out down the edge of the field about 30 yards. And when we cut and yelped at those turkeys on the roost and they gobbled, they pitched down the way they flew up and we were done in like five minutes. So <laughs> that's all from, that's all from roosting, you know, and, and, and I've done that so many places in so many areas. I've, you know, I went into uh, Florida one year and the outfitter, we went, it went down there for outdoor life and I was trying to figure out the area Well, they was only going to let me stay in one spot, but there was nothing happening there. And I could hear these turkeys. So I got up from my hunter and I went over through the log through the road or two track there and went over there and found these turkeys and saw what they were doing. But the outfitter didn't want us calling to them. They said they don't roost turkeys. They don't roost and make some calls shy. So they're afraid these turkeys, there's one area they don't hunt because they've been call shy for three years. Well, long story short, uh, they like calling just like other turkeys because the turkeys continue to call. I mean, are they going to quit going to a hen? (laughs) So I roosted these turkeys. I went in and roosted these turkeys, and then he took us to the spot we were supposed to be, and I was a bad boy. We got busted. And I went over there and got my hunter set up, and, man, we had a great hunt shot, great television show, killed the turkey. We was trying to run back to where we were supposed to be when he drove up on us. He was so mad. They took me to the airport sent me home. They were so mad at me because I wasn't <laughs> supposed to do that because them, them turkeys are call shy. And the woodsmanship I used by skills was learning the lay of the land, moving from one spot to the other, finding the turkeys. All that came together for us. And I can tell you guys, I can tell you all a quick story that, that I like to use a lot in my shows about this. I, back to New England and Massachusetts, we were flying in for a late hunt because, you know, there was a lot of years, guys, that I started hunting turkeys in February. I went down mm-hmm. went down to Yucatan Peninsula in Campeche, Mexico to hunt the oscillated. And then I, then I went, went down, you know, Florida and then went all the way around, you know, six, seven states. And ended up in Old Mexico in June, second week of June, hunting turkeys. So February to June, we hunted turkeys. And I've been uh-huh. hunting these things like like 60 years now. So, you know, I'm telling my age. But it's really interesting, all the years and all the places you go, the different opinions of people. And that's fine. And that's great. And it's just like the calling versus woodsmanship. That's what I always get. And it's like it's like a turkey call. I, you know, I, I build my own calls. And I had a turkey call. I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to the story. Just bear with me. I had a turkey call that every camp I went into, I'd blow different turkey calls and ask the guys what they think. And they love this one, love this one. I'd blow this one call. Nobody liked this call. The call they didn't like, I killed more turkeys that spring everywhere <laughs> I went. I was with Rick Story from the Wildlife Legislative Fund, and we were in a vehicle and stood next to the vehicle on a county road and blew this call. And a hen answered and flew up on a limb above the vehicle and was pacing, cutting at me on the limb. That's how good this call was. Nobody liked this call. We killed turkeys every place we went with this call, but no hunters liked the call. It was really interesting. So I, this, the year that I had this call, when I flew in, I got my rental car, and I went over to the place we're going to hunt because I've been hunting there like 20 years. And I went in, and I roosted a gobbler. And then I got in the rental car, and I went to camp, and nobody was there. So I drove down to the local water hole and restaurant, and there was the whole crew. Outdoor Life, Field and Stream, American Hunter, all those guys were in there. So I went in there, and they'd already finished dinner. Now they were in the uh, adult beverages. And I went in, and he was like, where you been? And I said, well, I came in, and I decided to go out and scout the turkeys. Oh, we we don't do that. You don't need to scout them. We know where they're at. Okay. And then they started talking, and then they started arguing woodsmanship versus calling. And I said, well, you know, to me, calling is everything. Boy, did that light up for you. <laughs> and the, the editor goes, listen to me. Poke me in the chest. And he, the guy I'm hunting with the next morning. And he says, he says woodsmanship is 95% of it. Calling's only 5%. And on and on and on. I said, okay. So the next morning, get up early, and he wasn't moving too good. Drove out to the spot and started up the road. 
I did one of those deals, guys, where I'd take off really fast and then stop and catch my breath. As soon as he'd catch up, I'd take off again, you know, kind of kind of worked that out of him. I took him in and slid him into the rock wall where I roosted this turkey the night before. Because, see, when I came in, the first thing I did was roost that turkey. And I set him up in front of the tree, and it started getting light, and I did a, uh, an owl hoot, and that turkey gobbled like 60 yards. He was on a little little ridge running kind of right to left, and it dropped off, and there was an old logging trail there that came right back up in front of where we were set. It was an ideal setup. So it got a little lighter, and he's gobbling on the roost, and his two buddies are gobbling, and I haven't said a word. I hooted again, and he gobbled, and I'm sitting there, and he finally he says, hey, why aren't you calling? I said, calling's not important. It's only 5%. So I didn't call. So the turkey pitched down on the ridge and started gobbling, walking down the ridge. He goes, aren't you going to call? Aren't you going to call? I said, no. Calling's only 5%. I said, hey, by the way, you better hurry up and put some of that woodsmanship on him. He's fixing to leave. <laughs> That's awesome. So I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. That call that you said no hunters liked, you built, you kept it, you ran it, you killed turkeys with it. What is it in that call that you heard that you don't think Re- anyone else heard? Realism, the uh, the scratch, the high-pitched squeal, uh, sound on the front, and then that, yeah. that's a scratch on the back. It was it was a clear yelp with some scratch on the back. It's just like you hear the hens. Uh because uh, I was with Mark Dury one time. We were at Bass Pro Shops working on a promotion, and uh, he had heard my calls. And anyway, he comes over. He goes, you hear that? I said, what? He said, look. And he pointed to TV, and there was a hen on TV uh, running toward a, uh, some hunters and was, was yelping. She goes, that's your call right there. And uh, this hen was making – and I, I listened to it. I thought, my, she sounds just like my mouth call. But it was the realism. I, I made my call. It was a cutter call. Uh, I make cutter calls, and I, the reeds are sat back slightly. And I, it's a large tear. It's not a little – the ones they used to call 2.5s weren't real 2.5 because it just had a little chunk out of it. This is a real 2.5. And it allows the two bottom reeds, a triple reed, uh, to do the clear. And then, and then that top reed on top does it. – it's not a dead rasp. It's a real lively rasp with scratch. And you can you can do – you can call clear with it. You can key-key on it. You can do everything. But it's it had so much realism that – a lot of most hen turkeys guys here they don't they don't sound good like callers like guy with a turkey call and the guys just didn't like it they just didn't think it sounded like a turkey and it sounded more like a turkey than any other call i had but uh you know they were used to to and i'm not you know i was a competition caller for years i'm not knocking competition calling but they've heard all the competition callers and there's a big difference in a competition call and what a real hen sounds like when she's excited and she's worked up and that's what this is so you had that call with woodsmanship and you take two or three guys in a place you've never seen before and use both of those skills and, and put that woodsmanship to work, you're going to have some success. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, and I've heard other people say it, a, a real hen probably would place about dead last in a calling competition. So yeah. there is definitely yeah. a big difference. Yeah. And it's like I tell, I tell a lot of hunters, we heard a hen one year, well, we heard several two years, but the one particular hen, she was the most God awful sound you ever heard in your life. She didn't even, she, half the time, she didn't even have a double note. It was just straight out, ah, ah, ah. it was terrible. And every gobbler on that, on them ridge, the sets of ridges were just gobbling and run to her. And the guy looked at me and said, well, why are they going to her? I said, they've been there before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they recognize that voice. They know that voice. Yeah. And you know what? That's exactly how I called when I went in there and we killed a turkey. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a... That's a good part of woodsmanship right there. That That's a good thought. Mimic the, the voices around you, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. This was a big ridge. Uh, this is northeast Missouri and it was a big ridge. And I took a, 
a hunter, a hunter in from Peterson Hunting, uh, uh, an editor, and we went in extremely early in the dark, parked the truck like 300 yards from the base of the ridge, went across the field. We had to wait a creek. We had taken our boots off. We got across the creek. I told him to set his boots down. We set our boots down, and he thought I'd lost my mind. And then we eased up that ridge in the dark real slow with no boots on so we wouldn't make noise, no breaking sticks. And we set up just at the edge of the ridge where he flew up the night before. And when it got daylight and that guy gobbled, you should have seen my hunter. He was shaking so bad he couldn't hardly sit still. And he, I let him gobble on the roost, wake up. We heard the hens on the roost back behind us. I cut and yelped. One, I did you know some soft stuff at first, tree call stuff. Then I cut and yelped. And he rocked on the limb and pitched and landed. 20 yards in front of my guy and it killed him it wasn't even six o'clock yet mm. and that was that was all woodsmanship yeah yeah with a, with a little bit of call yeah yeah well, that's the exact situation where i fire off around about three feet over his head after he hits <laughs> the ground yeah he had too much time to think about that <laughs> yeah. so i've asked this question of of the other guests that we've had on to talk about this topic just curious as to what your thought is how important is a sense of direction to woodsmanship in your mind and is sense of direction something you're born with or something that can be improved and worked on Mm, good question good question sense of direction is very very important and i guess i've been real fortunate because i've always done real well with that uh that's kind of a tough question i don't i don't don't know you know i never was one for gps or or compasses or things like that i just always knew that which direction i needed to go and i knew what was north and south i do know a lot of the young people today young hunters they don't know north from west from south from nothing but uh knowing direction is real important of course it is it's it's real important when you go in in the dark where you're going to go and the direction you need to go what direction the turkeys go when they leave the roost what direction turkeys travel midday but being able to get into a, an area and, and move quietly and quickly and hunt that area without getting lost, knowing the sense of direction, I think is very, very important. But I, I guess you'll learn it through the years. I don't know. It just always seems like in all my years growing up hunting and all the years hunting that I always had a, just a good sense of direction. Um, I know guys that were coon hunters that were amazing. I mean, you you couldn't have done better than those guys with a compass. There was no way. It was amazing. They could go in a, a 10,000-acre track of woods and timber and stuff they'd never been in their life in the dark with a headlight and dogs and take you right back to the truck every time. But it's just a good sense of direction. Tough question to answer. I'm not real sure. Yeah. Yeah, you would think. Uh, I mean, one of those things I'm not sure about, uh, the other two guests that we had said, yeah, we think that, well, each of them said, I think that you're born is something you're born with. But hey, yeah, that's probably true. But, you know, knowing knowing the sense of direction, having a sense of direction is really important to turkey hunting. I, I think it is. And I agree. Like I said, especially if you're going in the dark. And, but that comes with knowing the lay of the land and the terrain and stuff. You know, that helps you, too. When you get in a place, even in the dark, and you, you're familiar with the area, that's going to help you. But I haven't, I, I'd have, I guess I'd have to agree with that, that it, it has to be something you're born with. Because I know a lot of really good hunters that just got a great sense of direction. They know no matter where they go. I mean, we can fly into a place uh, the night before and go up in there and, and, and they'll know exactly what direction they're going. And, yeah. and they learn the area pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. When you, I assume, I actually had somebody ask me this uh, to ask somebody on this podcast, and it sounds like you've taken a lot of novice hunters and maybe some young folks or people who haven't hunted as much. 
as far as teaching woodsmanship, what, how do you usually go about that just by showing, you know, hey, we're going to walk on this side of the road because of this? Or, yeah. you know, do you kind of just yeah, tell exactly. them along the way? Yeah, exactly. The kids and the women are the best. Uh, they don't question what you're doing. They want to learn. They're eager to learn. Uh, experienced, experienced hunters have their own opinions for them. And it's always been a battle with me when I go with somebody uh, that they know more than you do. And, you know, I've even had them come up to me and say, I would never call like that and things like that. But with these kids and all the gal hunters I've ever been with have been wonderful. And look, there's been some good guy hunters, but, but, you know, when you, when you take a guy out there, uh, like to roost a turkey, you know, I was talking to y'all about roosting turkeys and we were in a camp in Northeast Missouri, a big media camp. We had like 25 people in there and I had a new form that I just learned and we could hunt and I needed to take this gentleman over there and hunt with him. And he, and he said, well, where are you going? And he was a young guy. He was a real young guy. He was in his late 20s. And I said, well, I'm going to go roost a turkey. You want to go? He goes, yeah. And so we went over there, and, and I did have some topple maps, and I did look at it, and I talked to the guy that had used to hunt the farm, and that was all part of it, and getting to know the place. And I had this particular area I wanted to go to, so we went in there, and we stopped, and we were standing there, and I was waiting for it to get dark enough for the turkey to start going to roost. And I cut and yelped on my mouth call, and the turkey gobbled at me. And I said, you hear that? He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm making a turkey gobble. He goes, you don't want to do that. You're going to make him call shy. <laughs> I go, okay. So I stood there a little bit and I waited. I said, let's give him a few minutes. And then I started going in and I cut and yelped and he gobbled again. And we went in and I stood there till almost dark and I heard him fly. I heard the wings. I heard him fly up. And I remember being in there and I knew where he was at. I said, I, I know where he's at. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go move in a little closer and make sure and see how we're going to set up on this turkey in the morning. And I cut and yelped and he like double gobbled and i started walking he ran up and grabbed me and he goes what are you doing what are you doing don't go in there don't do that you can't call all these turkeys so i need to say i hunted with somebody else the next morning and uh well after i took him back i hunted with another kid and we went right in there sat down and we killed that turkey and it was all from doing that but the, their mind is made up on you know it's, it's like the guy the, the, the editor in texas that year it was real windy and we were hunting a big ranch down there in south texas and uh we went to the edge of the ranch we were hunting. There was a big, tall, like an exotic fence, you know, big, tall, like 10-foot fence. And these turkeys were gobbling on the other side. I said, well, we can't go over there. Let's just back up here. And, I mean, the wind was howling. I got on that call. I mean, I was blowing that call. I care when in open country, I care a heavy latex mouth call. I use the same thing in Hawaii. It's, it's a lot louder. And I like to use a box where it's loud. And I hammered on these turkeys. And I said, sit right there. And they came up gobbling, and you could hardly hear them. They flew over the fence. Three of them flew over the fence and started going down around behind us. They, they couldn't course us. The wind was blowing like 30 mile an hour. So I said, turn around. I got crawled down there and said, face down there. And I got on that call hard. And I heard them gobbling, and I seen them coming up. I said, they're coming up the hill. They're coming up the hill. And they came up. I said, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. He shoots. Okay. Turkey goes down. It's flopping. I jump up. Man, I'm just ecstatic. I can't believe we actually killed a turkey in there, and that's when. And he turns around, lays his gun down, pulls his mat down, walks up to me and pokes me in the chest. He says, I'm going to tell you something. I would never call to a turkey like that. And I said, see that dead turkey down there? Go down there and tell it to him. Yeah. <laughs> what in the world? Uh, it, he, if, he, if I ever hunt with you, Ray, I'll let you do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, he may never call to a turkey like that but you quickly realized he would shoot to one that's been called or shoot at one that's been yeah, called sure. like that yeah no yeah. problem yeah that's yeah. pretty good people are interesting you, very much yeah though. yeah so Especially i would assume outfitters, out, outfitters and guides that i deal with make it so difficult for me to work and do my job 
because they don't want me calling. They don't want me doing this. You can't do this. We was in Florida one year, and the turkey gobbled behind us and had two two people, and they had us in a kind of an open blind face in a different direction. I said, I need to turn him around. He goes, no, you can't do that. And he said, I'm the guy I'll be doing the calling, so quit calling. And uh, the turkey come up behind us, went put, put, and left, you know. So, you know, it's just <laughs> you run into that all the time. You can't do that here. You might be able to call like that where you're from, but they don't like it here. Yeah. Three dead three dead turkeys later, then he's like, well, how would you, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh, maybe it does work here. That uh, That is interesting because you do hear that every kind of area, you're right, has its own thing. Like the locals right. be like, oh, they, they don't gobble on the roost much here. Or they don't. You know, they don't respond to yelps here. If you cut at one, you might as well just be yeah. shooting at him, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, if you light a lantern in the cabin on the side of Pruitt Mountain on opening yeah. day, they won't gobble. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Uh, but, <laughs> and I, I will say, like, I used to do that. I mean, people feel like kind of deify turkeys to an extent yeah. when, when you realize, mm-hmm. like, hey, he's he's just a, he's a I mean, he's a wild turkey. Yeah. They're smart, but yeah, you got to yeah, take the, it's like the guy says, hey, unless you sound just like an owl, don't hoot because they'll know we're here. But my favorite, <laughs> at the time, the time I did a cow and a pig and he gobbled, it really upset that guy. I think he went into therapy. But anyway, my, my all-time favorite, though, was in the Ozarks. The reason the turkey didn't respond, he heard the gravel popping when we drove in. Mm. You got to love that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. People, people are interesting, that's for sure. W- would you say someone who consistently kills gobblers in the fall has got to be a excellent woodsman. Absolutely. Yeah. Fall yeah. hunting's my favorite. If, if I had a choice tomorrow, I'd hunt fall gobblers over spring during a mating season and stuff. Cause fall hunting gobblers is just an unbelievable great hunt and so much fun in the autumn woods and uh, hunting adult gobblers, long beers in the fall. And then there's the pro and con everybody's, you know, I had guys in Northeast Missouri didn't want me to hunt their fall gobblers because I killed their. They'd be their spring. They wouldn't gobble in the spring because I killed killed their turkeys. They don't realize them turkeys move. You know, we don't have to get into all that. Turkeys move and go to different areas and all that, and break up in the spring. But yeah, fall fall hunting gobblers is, is the ultimate for me in turkey hunting. It's and whether it was archery or muzzleloader or shotgun fall season, it was a long time. We didn't have our first archery season in Missouri until 1975, and we didn't have a gun season in 1978. And no. uh, I've hunted every every fall in Missouri since it started from bow in 75 to gun in 78 we used to take our muzzle loaders and go down to ozarks on national forest and and set up a fall turkey camp in the middle of the ozarks and stay for two weeks in the fall and hunt fall turkeys what a great time wow wow that's that's got to be some awesome memories that yeah i do feel like because of the lack of gobbling which they will gobble in the fall but much less frequently than spring but i feel like because of that lack of him audibly showing himself all day basically you have to be a woodsman in order to track him down you know those yeah. those flocks well the one thing is fall turkey hunters experienced fall turkey hunters make better spring hunters because and, and and i've seen it so many times i can't even tell you yeah guys that really know how to hunt and kill fall gobblers are death in the spring because i've had guys that were guides were good guides from different states that came in to help me with media hunts and as if the, if everything's just about right, hens are on a nest, the gobblers are gobbling, you know, they're bad to the bone. They're going out yelping, and they're good, doing a good job. They're good hunters, and, and they kill some turkeys. But the first spring we have where the season's off, the gobblers aren't responding to the hen call, uh, then they're like, what's wrong with the turkeys? I, I don't know what's going on. And these other guys that hunt the fall, 
they're stacking them up because they know just <laughs> what to do and how to use yeah. the pecking order to their advantage. Mm, yeah, that makes that that makes a lot of sense. Makes you a more versatile hunter, without a doubt. Yeah, I would imagine fall gobbler hunting in a lot of the country is just like spring turkey hunting in the state of Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> no gobbling. <laughs> <laughs> we've had some good gobbling hunts i've got some video and some some hunts some tv shows i shot where they gobbled 200 times came all the way to the call it's just awesome but that's not all the time there's more yeah. intensity in the spring during the mating season but but you can you challenge those and the difference is and it's so simple that's the thing why everybody makes it so difficult and thinks you can't call fall turkeys uh the basic fall hunting and most states had fall hunting before they had spring missouri had spring before fall so they weren't real <laughs> into this thing but go out and find them and scatter them well we would go out and just call the flock up instead of scattering them we scattered them if we killed one or we messed up and then we'd have a recall and in the ridge country it worked good and and where there's lots of timber and stuff mm -hmm. like in the ozarks but we didn't go out to try and a guy asked me one time and i said well it didn't make sense to me in all this country it took me two days to find them why would i run them all off yeah and uh, you could call them up and, and shoot them but you challenge it talk like a gobbler you do gobbler yelps gobbler cutting gobbler clucks gobbler purrs sound like a gobbler and and that seems to befuddle a lot of hunters anybody can go out and take a box call or a slate call slow your rhythm down lengthen your yelp listen to how gobblers call and sound like that and they'll answer they'll reply especially on the roost oh my goodness you can tear them up on the roost by calling at them like that mm. cameron you getting more fall tips oh yeah i'm i'm getting geared up i mean we're not we're not far off of fall fall turkey season coming up here i think Tennessee, we got another 73 days before we can chase them with a bow. Yeah, that's not, that's not far. Yeah, and, and you, you, we talk about roosting with woodsmanship, and that's one of the things that I always did in the fall is roost the turkeys. Is, is follow you... them just like in the spring and roost them and get them, get them up on the roost and, and get set up on them tight. And we did that in New England, Massachusetts with two of the editors one year. There's never fall turkey hunted, and it was like five degrees that morning, and I roosted mm. them the evening before and took them and put them right in underneath the turkeys and the guy i was with was started getting light he goes right you know what there's a turkey right up here on this limb i said why do you think we're sitting here <laughs> <laughs> good observation <laughs> yeah how about that <laughs> i'm shocked <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty good you roosting them in the fall you just try to get a visual and then literally follow them that way yeah if it's open country if it's timber you do it by listening to them talk and listen mm. to their movement and uh and, and you also if you find a fall roost we call the we had one roost called the great fall roost they roost in the same places ever fall if the, if the habitat doesn't change i can go down and uh where i grew up in iron county in the fall and go right in and set up on a roost i set up on 40 years ago because nothing's changed now where they've wow. logged and stuff you know it's different but we had a roost in southern missouri we called the gray roost and there was three farms there and all the turkeys from them farms would come down to the creek bottom and fly up into these trees big sycamores and stuff there in the bottom every year and was full of turkeys and we mm -hmm. took fall turkeys every year from that roost by getting them getting set up from the direction they flew up from and they'd fly down we'd call to them everybody'd answer they'd all fly down oh the talking unbelievable however vocalization there is and then when they get all together you hear them purring and pushing and sorting everything out and then you hear them coming and i've had hunters just literally fall apart when they when they see 25 turkeys come running up to the woods at them it's great wow i think that's definitely accurate uh not that i would you know say you're not dead on but the 
past two years, my fall gobbler has literally been in the exact same tree <laughs> yeah. on almost yeah, the same like day. Yeah, that, I mean, obviously I've seen it as well. And, and what you said, Ray, is, is spot on unless there's habitat change. You know, if there's logging right. and that kind of stuff going on, then all bets are mm-hmm. off. You know, you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the same thing. Board. When I hunted when I was a kid, uh, 14, 15, 16 years old on a, on a mountain down there, and, and if that terrain is all the same, I can go right in those places directly in and set up and be on a roosted gobbler in the spring without even scouting because I, I know the terrain. I've already scouted. I've hunted there my whole life. And mm-hmm. if things haven't changed, the, the new generation of gobblers are in that. There's a reason they're in that tree. There's a reason they're roosting there because of the hens. And where they could be vocal, they can be vocal and be heard by the other turkeys and, and get with the girls. And it's always the same. And until they change, now they did some clear yeah. time anymore. But, but uh, well, I killed a turkey at government ground on Johnson Mountain. Uh, we went in there, I think it was two years ago now. And we hadn't been down there. I hadn't been down there in a couple of years. And we just decided uh, late one night, why don't we just drive down there and go in? And they said, okay, with my buddy. So we, we drove down there, walked way down in there and headed down man i'm getting too old for this we went right up there where i we sat down right where i sat in 1973 and a turkey gobbled right there where that one was in 73 and flew down and walked 20 yards my buddy killed him we didn't you know because nothing had changed wow that's pretty cool have you i'm gonna ask a question just i want your opinion on this and you know how we turkey hunters are we like to speculate a lot and come up with our own opinions and decisions and thoughts and that kind of thing and sometimes they're good and sometimes are not have you thinking back over some of the places that you've hunted in the spring over and over and over again some of the same places that you hunt have you noticed that the roosting spots have changed over the years even though there may not be any habitat change in the springtime yeah i have seen some of that in some places i've seen that where they're not roosting there and i don't have the answer for it but i I have seen that on some occasion but the biggest percentage of the time they're in the same places but yeah i have seen that yeah and i don't know how to answer that uh even in hawaii when we hunt at high elevations they're usually roosting in the same areas the same trees and a couple times that we went there they weren't there this time and it was kind of befuddling because we're not sure why they weren't there one mm-hmm. thing I did notice in Hawaii, when we went down lower elevations, you know, if you hunt up at the uh, the um, top where the lava flows are, eight 9,000 feet, first of all, you can't breathe. And it's <laughs> wide open hunting, and it's different. But then you start going down to the old growth forest. That's kind of like hunting in, it looks like Alice in Wonderland. You'll see purple-pink birds. You'll see all kinds of stuff. You'll see poults, hens with poults, and you'll see gobblers and groups and gobblers gobbling. It's just a, it's just a, it's, it's just a different world, you know. It's like Jurassic yeah. Park looks like in there. But then when you go down, when you go down and get down into the uh, uh, the forest where the, where the where all the trees and all the stuff, and it's 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 like it looks like Africa or something. You know, I mean, it's hard to explain. I can't for some reason I'm flatlining right now and I can't think of the name of it. But anyway, I'll think of it after we get off of here. But when I hunted the forest down low elevations, and he he had there was roads through there and it was really thick. And I found it interesting that when we hunted those areas in Hawaii, that I was able to use the same tactics I grew up using in the Ozarks to kill turkeys because of all the old roads that were going through there. And I would use the roads to go from place to place and set up and call, and those gobblers would come up those roads. And I, I, I did just like I did in Missouri. It was, it was late morning. There was nobody gobbling. And I'd move and set up and call for a while in one spot. And I'd, every once in a while, I'd strike a bird and then call, call a bird up. But I hunted that just like I did the Ozarks in the ridges, going from place to place on the logging roads and calling off the sides of the road 
did the exact same thing. I hunted Hawaii exactly like I did the Ozarks, and it worked extremely well. Tropical forest. Thank you, guys. I did good because I don't remember what I had for breakfast. (laughs) Well, you did better than I would. I wouldn't remember the name, and I don't know what I had for breakfast. So (laughs) you got me beat. Yeah, I was, uh, and I was kind of marveling at the way you rec- that you recollect names to go along with the stories that you tell because I couldn't tell you the last three people that I met with today. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good memory on you for sure. Yeah, I've kind of, and obviously I have nothing to base this on because I don't have radio collared turkeys or you know radio equipped turkeys to track and that kind of thing but i have noticed that or i should say it seems to me that Mm -hmm. if i look back and think back to when i first started turkey hunting and was hunting the same pieces of property over and over that i could consistently walk into an area and hear turkeys gobble in that area and they would be within a maybe 100 150 yards of where they roosted last night or you know night before last or last week and now it doesn't seem to be that way and you know i'm talking about this out loud and coming up with with ideas out loud could be that you know we just don't have the population of turkeys that we had back then in the early 90s and their territory or their range is bigger now I, I couldn't agree more. That's just what I was going to say. We got less turkeys. The population's down. It's very noticeable in the last five to six years, maybe last ten years actually, uh, mm-hmm. around here. The difference uh, you're not seeing the turkeys or hearing the turkeys in a lot of places, but you're not seeing the numbers. But the good news is, and it's from today. I was driving into town down a state highway, and for the first time in quite a while, I went over a little rise and around a curve, and the whole road was full of baby turkeys, at least a dozen. And that was good to see because we're wow. I'm starting to see some baby turkeys. Now, I saw these on the road, but I've seen other turkeys in fields. And I tell you what, last I guess about the last three or four years, I, in places that always held turkeys, not seeing any turkeys. And uh, I stayed close to home last last spring and didn't do much turkey on. But a couple mornings, I got up a little early and went to a, some spots around home that was always good with turkeys and didn't hear any turkeys, didn't hear any turkeys. Hmm. And that's unusual. And that's different. And that's definitely and uh, when I talk to the farmers, I say, well, we're not seeing the turkeys. We don't have the turkeys we used to have. For whatever the reason, you know, the population is down, and we've got to work on getting those back, and, and uh, everybody's doing that. But, no, it's not the same. No, what we, had, what we had here in the late 70s and the 80s and early 90s, I don't think will ever be duplicated. It was incredible. It, they didn't realize what we had at the time. When turkeys were still expanding into ranges in the state of Missouri after the early late 50s and early 60s live trapping and southern missouri and transplanting them turkeys it was amazing the turkey gobblers you could hear of a morning in one location and and you know and i hunted the ozarks all the time when i first went up to north missouri one of the first times it was late in the season and the guy that i went up there to hunt with he said well you know you should have came earlier it's over here you know in the old days in the ozarks you could if you messed up on a bird you just went to another one if you walked an old road and messed up you could go to another one. you can't do that now and up there at that time, it was starting. To, it wasn't as good down here as it used to be. We'd hear two or three of a morning where we used to hear a dozen, you know. But up there, he told me it was over, and I'd never hunted northeast Missouri. And he had a, a big patch of timber there and a creek bottom and some fields in the bottom, whatever. Anyway, we got out there on the ridge, and, and he said, well, I'm, I, I, I almost called you and told you to stay home. I said, no, we'll, we'll have a good camp. We'll have fun. So I got light, and I hooted, and it sounded like the wave. Down that creek bottom. I told him, he said, he goes, see, I told you it's over. <laughs> 
I said, what in the world were you hearing opening day? He says, three times that many. Wow, yeah. I could not believe the number of turkeys in northeast Missouri. Every open pasture, every field corner had a strutter in it, everywhere you went. We moved our media hunts to northeast Missouri and got lots of ground up there. And, and, you know, we had 30 guys in that would kill 30 turkeys. Wow. Wow. It was amazing, the numbers. And those numbers up northeast Missouri went down before the Ozarks. We were still having pretty good hunting in the Ozarks when it was null and void up there. I don't know what happened. Nobody's been able to tell anybody what's happened. But uh, they're starting to come back in northeast Missouri, nothing like they were. And the Ozarks, you can still hunt gobblers, but, you know, just certain little areas. They're not in the areas they used to be. That's the one thing I noticed that, that you were just talking about. The areas that used to always hold gobblers, we're not hearing them in those areas now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Interesting times, and I agree with you. I don't think that we'll ever get back to what we what we had at the peak. You know, I think we've got those. Those were great, great times. Great yeah. turkey hunting. Yeah, we've got way more hunters, and yeah, you know, Pred- predation's terrible. Predators yes. are people. You know, you're a bad boy if you trap. Nobody traps anymore. Nobody takes these, these, there's so many skunks and, and fox and coyotes and so much of that stuff out there. No, nobody does anything with that anymore. Fur prices are in the toilet. And it's just, you know, you, you don't, you, those nest robbers, you know, you don't take those out. It's going to, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be part of it, the reason. They're going to find out that ground predators is going to be one of the main factors because there's so many of them. Look how many dead on the road everywhere you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- couldn't agree with you more. I've, I've sent 73 of them to the uh, big woods in the sky myself this year. So I, I'm a believer. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Cameron and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We, being turkey hunters, are going to be to have to be the ones to take charge of the ship. And if we're going to right the ship as far as turkey populations go, we're going to have to to be serious about doing the things that we got to do to get the population back, i.e. trapping, shooting predators when we get the chance, you know, while we're deer hunting, that kind of thing. And every little bit helps. If you can only put out one trap and you trap one raccoon the entire deer season or one raccoon during your entire trapping season, well, you've helped. Absolutely. But you helped. So One of the things... uh, everybody can do is turkeys for tomorrow is a new a fairly new organization they're doing a tremendous job for turkey restoration and working and trying to find out they're doing a lot of work down in y'all states down in there too and it's called turkeys for tomorrow just have everybody put in the search in and google it and look it up and check those guys out because they're doing a lot of great work right now they decided to get together and make this organization to try to help with the with the the downward spiral of the population of the wild turkey and uh, you know we, of course we've got the national wild turkey federation but these turkeys for tomorrow guys they're they're doing some good stuff and they're working hard and they're doing a lot of research so you know if you're a turkey hunter it would it would be to your best interest to check these guys out turkeys for tomorrow yeah absolutely i'm a i am a member <laughs> and, oh, a, and a believer yeah and a believer absolutely yep. yeah it, i tell you you know in trapping back to woodsmanship learning to yep. trap oh, a yeah. new critter will teach you woodsmanship oh. i mean it's a do it to help turkeys but b you're going to make yourself a better outdoorsman and hunter. I mean, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, it's a different world today, you know, just totally different. When when I was growing up, we had squirrel camps, and you'd go to the restaurant, and there'd be three or four other guys, and there'd been squirrel hunting. You'd go outside and talk about your squirrel hunt, show each other your squirrels. You don't see that yeah. much anymore. And we used to go out and, and camp above a lake and take a, you know, cast iron skillet and pots and pans and 
and hunt squirrels and fish and gig and eat everything in camp and good times. Those were good times. But everybody that I knew back in the 60s and the 70s, they all everybody trapped. Everybody called fox and coyote at night. Everybody squirrel mm. hunted. Everybody did everything. Everybody had big deer camps, you know, and uh, big turkey camps. We had turkey camps in the in the late 60s and 1970s and the Ozarks where it was all family and friends. And I mean, maybe 20 people in a turkey camp with big meals. Uh, those were good days. Those were good times. Yeah, I bet. I bet. This has been a, yeah. a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I, I appreciate you coming on. And, you know, I want to be respectful of your time and, and your schedule. And you gave us an hour to, well, I told you 45 well, minutes, but we both knew yeah, that wasn't yeah. going to happen. Well, it's your fault. It's your fault. You got me talking. <laughs> we brought up uh, turkeys and tends yeah, to go you over. Up turkeys. What do you expect? Yeah. 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 So, Cameron, right, when guys. I. When I got in touch with Ray, he said, 45 minutes for woodsmanship. Man, that's a lot of time. I said, Ray, you know, we're, we're going to get off topic on it. You know that. Yeah, yeah, We've talked you about did. trapping, fall turkeys, woodsmanship, <laughs> stories. We've been everywhere. Yeah. And okay, don't you okay. feel like Guilty. we really even scratched the surface. We could keep going, yeah. but we, we need to. Guilty as charged. Guilty yes. as charged. Yes. All right, guys. Hey, Thank you, Ray. Thank you for having me on. Enjoyed it. And well, we appreciate it. Tell everybody out there. I want to tell everybody out there, have fun, enjoy what you're doing, respect the wildlife, respect each other, and you all got to quit this infighting. I wouldn't have shot this deer, and I wouldn't have done this, and I don't hunt out of a blind. I do this. Stop it. We, we need to stay together and united on one front as hunters and outdoorsmen and respect the wildlife and the great outdoors that we are so fortunate to be able to do because there's a lot of people out there that like to stop everything we do like right now. So, you know, the infighting's got to stop, and I just got to say that. Yeah, thank you. Thank Absolutely. You. All right, guys, I'm going to run. Thanks, Ray. Take thank care. you, Ray. Have a great evening. Happy hunting to everybody. Have fun. Me too. Everybody have a good fall season. See Will ya. Do. All right. Bye. Man, you can tell when our guests get fired up, <laughs> it's on. I mean, it's like... Yeah. Gets, gets machine gun pace, and I love it. I mean, I eat up every single bit of that, so... Yeah, I truly enjoyed that one. That was just awesome. I mean, we talked about everything, spring, fall, history of turkeys. I mean, just all kind of stuff was in that one. I mean, how could you not enjoy that? So a lot of good information for everybody. Yes, indeed. I hope it's one that you guys enjoyed, and I'm sure it's going to be one you're going to want to tune into again late winter, early spring before season starts. And shoot probably tune into again here in the next month or two months before fall season starts in your neck of the woods yeah no doubt i think ray gave the uh favor of the week for us go check out turkeys for tomorrow he did a great job with that favor of the week yeah yeah thank you uh, and we didn't even ask for it so thank <laughs> thanks ray <laughs> made our job easy right there to end the episode no doubt no doubt well good deal you want to wrap this thing up and Start thinking about what you're going to talk about next week. Yeah, man. Let's let's wrap it up. Good luck at the camp this weekend. Hope you see some poults. I'm going to send you another dead coon pick, I hope. And hope everybody stays safe in this heat. Yes, indeed. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You are just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. 
If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.